Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode number 129 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Chicago as the Brewers, in the midst of this three-city road trip, it began in Atlanta. It's continued here in Chicago. It'll end up in St. Louis against the Red Hot Cardinals. Brewers, as we sit today, 68-54, and two games back of the Cubs in the NL Central, and still in great position to be in the playoffs. They would host the wild card if the season ended today. Here's what we have for you on this week's podcast. We're going to chat with Taylor Williams, Brewers reliever, who just got activated off the 10-day DL. More on that in a second. And Stephen Vogt, who of course is on the 60-day DL. Vogt, the Brewers catcher last year, along with Manny Pena. He is chomping at the bit. He wishes he was out there on the field. He's not. He's trying to get himself back in a position where he can play next year. But he has so much unique perspective. So we're going to spend some time with Stephen Vogt taking a look at this 2018 Brewers Club coming up on Brewers on Tap. And we're going to take a look at Ryan Braun's numbers in Sabermetrics 101. This guy's been absolutely on fire, and we're going to tell you just how hot he's been here in the next 20 minutes or so. And, of course, we're going to go down on the farm and check in on the Brewers minor leagues. The crew, since we last talked, has gone 3-3. Three and three. The big 7-0 victory over the Cubs at Wrigley on Tuesday afternoon being the highlight of the last week. Lorenzo Cain launched a solo home run on the second pitch of that game. Then Ryan Braun launched two two-run home runs. Eric Kratz added a solo blast in the sixth. Yoli Shusin tossed seven scoreless innings en route to the shutout. It was the third consecutive shutout for the Brewers over the Cubs this season. Never been done before. Also on Tuesday, the Brewers announced that they had acquired former first-round draft pick Jake Thompson, a right-handed pitcher from the Phillies for cash. Alec Asher was designated for assignment to make room on the 40-man roster. And the Brewers also recalled Keon Broxton on Monday and activated Taylor Williams from the 10-day DL, as we already mentioned, on Tuesday. As a result, they optioned Jacob Barnes and Eric Aaron Wilkerson back to the minors to make room. All right, let's jump into it. We're going to lead off with the Brewers' catcher currently on the DL, Stephen Vogt. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, In 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be your plan. Uh, but once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It, was, um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses. And that's where guys get caught up in... Uh, trying to do too much now for the clubhouse conversation and we're joined by brewers catcher Stephen vote who uh, has been on the disabled list this year but still uh, very much a part of things part of this clubhouse and and helping some of these younger players as well in the midst of this playoff chase and, uh, first Stephen, let's start with the injury disappointing for you but you found a way to still try to impact this team and i think that says a lot about the guy you've been throughout the majority of your career Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, obviously it's been a disappointing year for me personally, just not getting to play one game. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously 
my my approach has always been make the most out of your situation and how you can better everyone around you. Um, that's kind of who I've been my whole life, my whole career, who my dad raised me to be, uh, my parents raised me to be. And so, uh, for me, it's been t it's been tough, but at the same time, it, it's uh, it's my job to help impact this team every day in the clubhouse and in the dugout, and any way I can help us win a game, uh, I'm going to try and do it. You are dealing with a tough injury, it's going to be a long road, and you understand that. But at the same time, what kind of perspective has this given you on the game, being able to step back and watch it a little bit more and offer your advice from not necessarily a 30,000-foot view, but from a different view than if you were in there every day? Well, it, it definitely, you take the emotional side out of it because you don't, you're not worried about playing the next day. You're not worried about, oh, man, how am I doing on the field? So you kind of are able to remove all of the emotions behind, am I struggling? Am I doing okay? So you're able to just kind of watch the game, and literally you're watching the game from the perspective of, what do I see and what can I maybe suggest or talk to somebody about that might help them get out of a funk, might help them do something a little differently because I have that non-emotional side to be able to see it better. And it's not coming from a coach. It's not coming from somebody in the front office. It's coming from one of your peers. And I think the way I operate, I always listen to my peers a lot. And so the perspective of a peer is always going to be a little bit different. And so for me, it's given me the opportunity just to be able to see the game from a different lens. And, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not just sitting here telling everybody what I see or, you know, but guys will ask questions and then I have, I have better answers for them. Your priority is to get yourself back on the field, hopefully at some point next year. I'm sure that's where your mindset is. But at the same time, you've had that chance to sit back and reflect have the thoughts of what do I do after baseball started to, to creep in a little bit too of like hey do I want to be on the field as a coach do I want to be an analyst you have a future in this game and I think a lot of people have probably told you that well thank you yeah I, uh, creeping in probably wouldn't be the way I'd describe it they're <laughs> punching me those thoughts are punching me in the face <laughs> daily but uh no, I obviously have given my post-playing career a lot more thought now than I have any other time in my career, and uh, just because you have the time to do it. I, I'm fully confident I'm going to make a full recovery and be back, hopefully catching for the Brewers again next year and or whatever whatever happens there. But um, I have given a lot of thought. I do want to coach. I do want to be in the game and be involved in the game as, a, as where I sit today. So um, hopefully play another four or five years and then uh, start making the, the process happen to get back on the field as a coach or front office or some sort. I just want to be involved in the game, whatever route kind of takes uh, when I'm done playing. How often do you talk to Manny and Kratz, um, even within a game or in between games as they get prepared for different lineups and the hitters that they're going to face and they're getting ready to call a game. How much do you interact with those guys? I, mean, I interact with them every day. You know, obviously those are two really smart guys that have uh, that have done a lot of great things in this game. So, um, you know, they'll every once in a while maybe they'll ask me some advice on on kind of what what they're thinking with some hitters. But um, you know, that's kind of their department. I'm I'm just kind of here. You know, they'll ask questions. I don't. I, I try not to approach. It's kind of a sensitive subject. You don't want to be the guy that's always running up right. to your teammates, telling them what you see or what you think. So you have to tread very carefully. But um, you know, I think everybody in this room knows that uh, I'm here and I want to help and I want us to win. And I think uh, there's no question about that. So I do talk with those guys daily. Is just kind of how they're feeling. I, I, you know, I'm curious. I, I care about those guys a lot, and I care about. Um, how our team does. So I do ask them how they're doing a lot, and we do talk a lot about catching and just kind of pitch calling and things like that. But, um, you know, those are two really, really good players and really good catchers that have done a lot. So uh, I enjoy watching them play. 
finally, you came over to this team last year in June, and it was a, a pretty young team without a ton of playoff experience. Now you look around the clubhouse, there's a lot of guys that have made some runs in the playoffs. How, how big can that be over the next six weeks? Oh, it's huge, especially having uh, Moustakis and Low Kane uh, in this clubhouse. Those are guys that won a World Series three years ago. So uh, it's very fresh on their minds. They've lost a World Series too, which I think that's, that's kind of a big piece that people don't really think about. It's like, hey, these guys have won a World Series. Well, yeah, but these guys have lost one and won one. So they know what it's like to lose a Game 7 in the World Series. And I think you can't really discount that because that feeling, that you, you, you still talk to them. It's awesome hearing those guys talk about their playoff experience because they'll sit there and they'll just talk about how ugly it was and how that bitter feeling that just never goes away. And so being able to have that experience in our clubhouse is, is huge on so many levels. And on top of that, they're just great, great guys. And you look around at all the playoff experience we have now in this clubhouse, and this is a team that's primed to make a big run. Steven, we appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you. My thanks to Steven Vogt for joining us here on the podcast. Ryan Braun's on fire. Just how hot is he? Let's take a look. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. Okay, as we jump into these numbers, there's some really interesting stuff going on right now with Ryan Braun. Uh, the basics first, 387 average over his last 16 games. He's taken his season average from 229 up to 255. That 255 is the highest average he's had essentially since May the 1st. Four home runs over these 16 games. Four doubles. He's driven in 12. Over these 16 games, Braun's batting average on balls in play is north of 400. Now, Here's some context for you. Ryan Braun had a batting average on balls in play last year, 2017, of 292. That was the worst of his career. He'd never been below 300 before. This year, it's 279, even after this tear that he's been on. Here's the interesting part to this, though. He has a line drive percentage of 23%. That's the best of his career surpassing even his 20% line drive rate during his MVP season in 2011. So what that tells you is that he has had an incredible amount of bad luck this year. His worst batting average on balls in play, his highest line drive percentage. For the last month or so, people looking at these numbers have been saying, look, Ryan Braun just needs to stay the course. These balls are going to start finding gaps. They're going to start flying over the fence. And it's going to come in a bunch when it happens. Well, it's here. It is upon us now. And Ryan Braun has taken this lineup to another level with his play. He has struck out only seven times in his last 16 games. His K percentage is down from 21% over the first 75 games of the year down to 13% in these past 16 games. Ryan Braun is starting to put together a great stretch, and it is coming at the most important time right now for the Brewers. The Brewers got a big arm back on Tuesday. Right-handed reliever Taylor Williams. We had a chance to sit down with him. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go on again for Ryan Braun. He just hit another three-run shot out of here. Time to catch up with the crew. Back from the DL today, and uh, I'm sure it was frustrating to be on the shelf for a few days, but at the same time, I know you're chomping at the bit to get back to this bullpen and, and help this team down the down the stretch. 
Yeah, it was definitely, I think for anyone, it's always tough when you're on the DL and you're, you're not able to be out there and help your team, um, especially with the importance of all the games that we've been playing this past month or even the whole season, you know. So uh, it's definitely good to, to be back. It feel good right now. I feel ready to go. Um, it doesn't get much better than this. It's a Wrigley Field against the Cubs for a two-game set. You know, you, you, you're going to DL and there's always the concern of, Hopefully I'm on there the minimum amount of time. I don't have to go out on a rehab. I can get back as quickly as possible. So this was best case scenario for you. Yeah, um, you know, I was kind of up in the air whether I was going to have to go uh, throw in a rehab game or not. Um, I think that um, I felt pretty good after the two bullpen sessions I had. Um, you know, kind of simulated some hitters, uh, facing some hitters. And those, during that time, I felt like I really got after it. And uh, I think I felt ready to go. And um, was hoping that they felt the same way. And they activated me today. So. Here I am. You've been out there grinding it uh, all season long to have 10 days to kind of sit back and observe. You know, how did that kind of get your mind right for the final six weeks? Um, it definitely helped, you know, uh, obviously physically getting in the right spot again, um, but mentally as well, like you said, being able to watch uh, for 10 days, um, obviously frustrating, um, but just being able to kind of get that different perspective from uh, the dugout and from the bullpen. Um, it was good. It helped me mentally kind of get in the right spot, refocus a little bit. Um, obviously, I didn't throw the ball as well as I would have liked a couple outings before I went on the DL. Um, so just to kind of get back mentally in that right state of mind to focus um, and, and just, you know, see where our team is at a whole and see what I need to, you know, maybe the energy level that I need to bring when I step on the field. So. Where are you at in terms of what, what you want to do next to take that next step from an execution standpoint? I'm a, I think it's really just being consistent. You know, I think that um, I've had some really good stretches throughout the season of throwing the ball really well, and then there's been a couple times where I've gone out there and I haven't thrown the ball as well, you know, and that's that's obviously part of a season for anyone, but, you know, if you want to have success in this game and be really good, you want to be able to limit those, those um, unsuccessful times to very few. So um, I think it's just really a level of focus, um, staying consistent with that level of focus throughout the season. Um, and knowing where you need to be when you when you come in the game, um, in those different situations, being aggressive um, and trust. I think really the biggest thing is just trusting uh, my ability and trusting my stuff, because I know that I have the ability to get anybody out if I if I really trust my stuff and and get ahead and attack. I think people forget that you're still relatively new at being a reliever. I mean, you've been a starting pitcher for a lot of your career. You've been a reliever here at the major league level. From a mindset standpoint, is that does that make it easier to, to put a tough performance behind you since you get to get back on the mound a little bit quicker? Or is it just a pretty big change in terms of uh, your paradigm, so to speak? Um, I wouldn't say that it makes it tougher. Um, Honestly, it kind of makes it easier because you're able to just get back out there the next day. You know, you have an, a bad outing. Uh, you still have the ability to pitch the next day and kind of put it behind you. So um, that's a good part about relieving, and that's kind of what I like about it is that you uh, – it's kind of similar to playing a position. You have to prepare every day to, to play and uh, mentally prepare for different situations of the game and, and be mentally involved every single day. It's not like starting where you, you have your, your set day of the week and, and then you have the four days to prepare for that again. So – um, for me, I, I kind of like that it, it allows you to get back out there as much as possible um, and kind of put the past in the past and move forward. How big is the thought right now in the clubhouse and in the bullpen about the opportunity that's in front of you guys? Because uh, it, it starts today, big opportunity over the next two days against the team that's leading the division. Uh, I'm sure you guys are really excited about what's, what's ahead. 
Yeah, I think that um, everyone's kind of aware of it. It's, I don't think it's something that we're really talking hugely about. You know, it's uh, every game's important at this point, especially you know, like you said, the, against the Cubs right now, and this op opportunity to gain a, a full ga a full game of ground um, in the standings. It's that's big for us. I think everyone's aware of that. We're ready to go. I think the energy level is high. Um, I think we're ready. We're here at Wrigley, like you said. You know, I think we're just ready to have some fun, go out there and play baseball. Taylor, we appreciate it. Welcome back. Thank you. Checking in on the farm. Okay, as we take a look at the Brewers minor leagues, we begin with uh, everything in action up until Tuesday. So, uh, Colorado Springs Sky Sox, they were off on Monday. They are 60-57. and 57. They've had a little bit of a rough patch here recently. Uh, they are three games back currently in the American Northern Division of the PCL. The Biloxi Shuckers, 26-23 and 23 in their second half in the Southern League South Division. They, of course, won the first half South Division Championship at 41-29, and 29. so putting together a really good year. The Biloxi Shuckers' Corey Ray has been outstanding. 13 home runs in 31 games since July the 10th. He's slashing a 295, 363, 705 line. He's also tallying, tallying 29 runs, 9 doubles, a triple, 23 driven in, 11 steals during that span. He has been outstanding this year. He is very likely going to be a strong candidate for the Brewers Minor League Player of the Year. It's been fun to see him do what he's been able to do. Class A Advanced Carolina, they are sitting at 34 and 36 after their first half. They've gone 23 and 25 in the second half. So a very similar second half to what they put together in the first half as well so far. Carolina's had some good performances as well. Weston Wilson was the July player of the month. For the Brewers, he was also a minor league player of the month. Uh, he and Corey Ray both getting those honors from minor league baseball for the months that they put together in July. Weston Wilson was one of those guys. Class A Wisconsin is 26-24 and 24 in their second half after going 31-38 and 38 in their first half. They had one of the most amazing finishes to a game last week. Chris Merring with the call. Bases loaded, two outs. He took the first one for a strike, chased the next one, and now the 0-2 pitch is a swing and a miss, strike three. The ball pops away. They got to throw down to first, and it's going to be past the first baseman. Two runs are in the tie. Here comes Garcia with the winning ball. The throw is late. The Rappers win. The Rappers win. The Rappers win. I have never seen anything like that in my life. In all my time, I don't think I've ever heard of a game ending that way for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. It was really very cool. Chad McClanahan is up now with Class A Wisconsin, which is really exciting for him. This is a young man the Brewers are very high on. And on Monday night, he went two for four with a home run. He drove in three. Uh, it's exciting. Chad McClanahan, third baseman. He can play some first base. He really did a nice job in Helena this year, earned that promotion and now is doing some good things since his promotion to Class A Wisconsin. Overall for the year between the two levels, 291 average, 14 doubles, 3 triples, 9 home runs, 38 driven in. Chad McClanahan's going to be a guy you start seeing on a lot of the Brewers' lists here over the course of the next year. 
We go to Rookie Pioneer League, Helena, the Brewers, 9-7 and seven in their second half, third place right now in the Northern Division of the Pioneer League, three games back in that one. David Fry's been good. He was on the Pioneer League All-Star team. He went one for three on Monday with two runs, his ninth home run of the season, and he drove in two as well. And, of course, the Arizona League Brewers, 7-9, fifth place in the Central Division of the Arizona League, and they are three games back as well. Uh, it's been fun watching some of these guys. The Brewers have had a good year in the minor leagues. They're going to have a handful of teams probably going to the postseason. It's still possible for the Sky Sox to get there, although they're going to have to pull themselves out of a little bit of a slump here over the last 10 days. The Shuckers are already going. It's going to be tough for the Mudcats to get there. The Timber Rattlers have a very outside chance. The Helena Brewers still have a shot. And uh, that's probably what, what we're looking at at this point right now. And really, the Arizona League Brewers are only three games back in the Central Division as well. So uh, we shall see. But it should be fun. And uh, we'll keep you posted as the next couple weeks go along as these Brewers minor league affiliates try to get themselves into the postseason. Let's see what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. Here is what's coming up for the Brewers in Miller Park. Brewers and Pirates meeting an exciting rivalry showdown at Miller Park on Friday, August the 24th through Sunday the 26th. And to go along with three games of NL Central action, the weekend series also features several fantastic promotions. On Friday the 24th, that's a 7-10 start. First 20,000 fans, courtesy of Master Printwear, are going to get a performance t-shirt. And on student, that's also student night, so high school and college students can get tickets for as low as $10 and enjoy a special $4 menu through the first inning. And then Saturday the 25th, that's a Pirates game two of that series, 6-10 start, Peanuts night, Brewer's Snoopy bobblehead with a special ticket package uh, as well. So that's exciting for everybody. And as well on Saturday night, that is a Brewmaster shirt, first 10,000 fans, 21 plus, We'll get that courtesy of Miller Brewing Company. And then on Sunday, the 26th, the Lorenzo King Bobblehead Day. All fans are going to get that. It's a 110 start. Kids ice cream Sunday as well. Kids 14 and under can enjoy a free ice cream bar courtesy of Blue Ribbon Classics. To lock in your seats, visit Brewers.com. That's going to do it for us. And this week's edition, episode number 129 of Brewers on Tap. We will join you next week when we're back at home at Miller Park. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Lane Grindle. Brewers.